Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 WDWS. For over 60 years, East Central Illinois' daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join in on the phone, online, or via a text. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Email talk at WDWS.com. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Now, here's Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody, and welcome to this April the 4th. We're on a Wednesday here on News Talk 1400 DWS in the year 2018. And man, uh, this weather continues to just be not very nice, is it? (laughs) Needed to warm up a little bit. We've got a long way to go on that. Obviously, we're below 30 degrees right now, and uh, hopefully we'll get it warmed up here at some point. Glad you're with us today on A Penny for Your Thoughts. We have a busy show for you today. Uh, This is, as uh, Gentry and the morning team with Elizabeth and Dave and so forth talked about the 50th anniversary of the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. on this day. Uh, back uh, about 6 o'clock in the evening down in Memphis, Tennessee. So we'll talk about that this first hour. Uh, A couple of clips we'll have for you in regards to that. Also, um, Irvin Williams is going to join us from Restoration Urban Ministries uh, during this first half hour. Just kind of um, look back at the last 50 years and all that's happened since the assassination of Dr. King and his uh, reflections on all of that. So we'll do that in the first half hour. Take your phone calls, emails, and texts in the second half hour. And then uh, coming up in hour number two, Julia Reitz, uh, Champaign County State's Attorney. was a frequent guest over the years with Jim, of course. This will be the first time I've had a chance to get her scheduled and uh, visit with her for an hour in the second hour. So if you have any questions for Julia Reitz, feel free to send those uh, this way as well in hour number two. We will take our uh, opening timeout. We'll come back and uh, get it started here on this busy Wednesday. Penny for your thoughts next on DWS. And we're back, Penny, for your thoughts as we move along here on a Wednesday. Three five six nine three nine seven is how you can join us on the phone lines. As always, the Castle Heating and Cooling text line three five one five three five seven, and email us at wdws dot com. Well, uh, this is the fiftieth anniversary of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King down at the Lorraine Motel there on the balcony in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, all, everybody's uh, reminiscing and thinking about that and what's happened in the 50 years since, what happened at that event. And I have to say at the beginning here, obviously I have a disadvantage because uh, at the time all of this was happening with the Vietnam War and RFK getting shot later in 68 and all the upheaval, um, I was learning to ride a bicycle basically at that time. So I'm not old enough to understand I didn't live through that time or at least was not aware of what was going on around me. So those of you that are a little older that have a little more perspective on this uh, can help us during the course of the show today. What was it like in 1968, in the 60s? I mean, I've read about it. Um, you know, I've seen the, the clips and the films and the protests and everything that was going on in the 1960s, and obviously that was a very tumultuous time, no doubt. Uh, but again, uh, if you can help me kind of get a feel for what was going on, what you were thinking at the time, all that was happening at that time, that would be great because I kind of start from a disadvantage in that sense. But uh, if you want to have some thoughts on all of this, feel free as we go along during this first hour. Julia Reitz in hour number two, three five six nine three nine seven. Martin Luther King gave a speech on April the 3rd, 
the uh, night before he was assassinated. And here's just a, a clip of that for about a minute or so. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now. Because I've been to the mountaintop. I don't mind. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. But I want you to know the night that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. So there's the uh, speech the night before. There was some striking sanitation workers down in uh, Memphis. He spoke at a uh, church there in Memphis. And then, of course, uh, the next day, the news broke about the assassination, and uh, Bill Curtis has a recap of that from this day 50 years ago. The United States was a country founded in slavery and one which a hundred years after slavery's official dissolution remained half equal and half free. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was a pacifist, a Baptist minister, a spiritual man with a dream to eradicate injustice, and a brilliant tactician with a plan to make that dream come true. It was a plan which called for non-violent but unremitting resistance to racial discrimination in all its sanctioned forms. And it worked. Dr. King commanded respect and attention for a civil rights movement whose time was long overdue. He rallied support for the cause through masterful oratory and personal charisma. But mostly he did it through shining example absorbing physical beatings, jail terms, and scathing criticism from enemies and supporters alike, without ever veering from his path. It was a path that led him to such ordinary outposts as Memphis, Tennessee, where he journeyed in April 1968 to lend support for a strike by that city's sanitation workers. It was there, standing on the balcony outside his room at the Lorraine Motel, in the dimming sunlight that afternoon, that the 39-year-old Nobel Peace Prize winner made one final sacrifice for his cause. This is an NBC News Hotline special report. Here is Don Hickman in Memphis. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was shot outside a Memphis motel this afternoon. His condition is not known at this time. Police put out a wanted bulletin for, quote, a young white male, well-dressed, who was seen running from a brick building across the street from the Lorien Hotel. Police said the assailant apparently jumped into a late-model white car after the shooting and sped away. Repeating that bulletin, Dr. Martin Luther King was shot outside a Memphis hotel this evening, his condition not immediately known, but he was taken to a hospital. Lou Wood, NBC News, New York. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. was killed by a rifle bullet fired from a flophouse across the street 
by a drifter with a criminal record named James Earl Ray. News of his death sent shockwaves across the country, as millions expressed their sorrow and grief, some quietly, others in a violent rage. I ask every citizen to reject the blind violence that has struck Dr. King. That night, President Lyndon Johnson addressed the nation to plead with outraged citizens to stay calm. I know that every American of goodwill joins me in mourning the death of this outstanding leader and in praying for peace and understanding throughout this land. Though Dr. King's aims of racial harmony and economic justice remain far from settled, his personal legacy remains an inspiration to millions of others. Through their efforts, his dreams refuse to die. There is uh, Bill Curtis. He does uh, like to play those from time to time on uh, history-making days, if you will, and uh, today is certainly one of those. Fifty years ago, Dr. Martin Luther King uh, killed in Memphis, Tennessee. Irvin Williams here is going to join us in just a moment. Uh, Joan is on the line. Hi, Joan. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. I never imagined I'd be the first one on. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. You're number one. Well, good, good. I'd like to think that, but, you know, in God's eyes, I'm probably a 10. <laughs> hey, you're number one hey, in my first, book. So. Oh, yeah. Well, first of all, I'd like to say that the 60s were tumultuous. I lived during that time. I remember the death of John F. Kennedy. That was a real sad moment in my life. I was working as a dentalist in Park Ridge, Illinois, and... Um, our world changed drastically then, but here's the thing. Martin Luther King was a minister, and he taught about Christ, and we just celebrated the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the world is is in a mess, but if we turn to him, you see, we have the answer, because the Bible and the Lord are answered. Um, I know you probably don't get into religion much on the radio, but but I just had to say that part. But I do recognize that Martin Luther King was a great man. And I was sad to hear the day that he passed. Um, you know, um, the world tries to solve problems with violence. And it's going on today. You have only to look at the paper today in Danville and here in Champaign for shootings and deaths. And, you know, um, God didn't want this for us. He wanted a better place. So he's preparing heaven for us. And I thank you for letting me talk today. Hey, um, no, very and, good. Uh, and uh, and obviously, you know, as I said, I was uh, very young at the time, so all of this was swirling, you know. How old were you when oh, that happened? Well, I was three. <laughs> so Three? So, yeah. Wow. So, so it's well, one I've, of, got a few, I've got a few years on you. I'm <laughs> 75, so that happened when I was in my 20s. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the kind of perspective I'm looking for. Just kind of educate me a little bit, and I'm a, a lover of history, as you know. I, I love to read about it. But uh, this is obviously something I'm at a disadvantage because I was just, you know, like I said, I was learning to ride a bike back then. So, Yeah, well, yeah. you know, you were on the right path because life should be about pleasure. And unfortunately, with the, the evil in our world, it disrupts her. Mm -hmm. um, but it should be God's pleasure. And I, I'm glad you had a chance to learn to ride your bike. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I, you never forget that. So, all right, well, thank no, you. don't. Thank you, Joan. You're welcome. Right. Thank Pre you. Appreciate it. All right. Irvin Williams is here. He's with Restoration Urban Ministries. Does great work over there. How many years over there? We hit 25 March 15th. 25 years. Yes. Wow. 
it's amazing work that gets done every day. Lots of people. Yeah. Well, I wanted to bring you in, and uh, we talked uh, a couple of days ago about uh, 50 years ago. How old were you when uh, Dr. King was? I was 17. In, in teenage. So you were aware of what was happening and yes. uh, probably involved in several other things, and maybe not paying attention necessarily to politics or different events around, but maybe you were. I don't know. What, what was going on in your life at that point? Well, we were, I was very much aware because we lived in a community where there were, where we couldn't attend uh, certain churches. We couldn't go into certain parts of the community. So we were aware of what was going on. We were watching the news. We saw what was going on on a national level. So we were, we were there. We knew. And we had a lot of questions. Being a teenager, there's a lot of anger. When someone says you can't go into this or you can't drink from there or you can't go to that restaurant, we had parts of our community where it says, and I won't say the word, but it said you had to be out of t- be out of this area by six o'clock. Yeah. So hmm. uh, that was pretty so, common. Yeah, and you grew up with that. And um, so when you when you hear when you heard Dr. King and what he was talking about, how did you feel about all of that at the time? Remember, I'm a teenager, yeah, I <laughs> and I'm told you can't do something. Right. And for a lot of us, uh, we grew angry. We were very angry because we couldn't understand why we couldn't. Uh, I remember when I was younger, I asked my grandmother, Grandma, how come we can't go in that? And she never could give me a good answer that I could receive, so we, we just didn't go. When I got older, I realized that I couldn't go into places because of the color of my skin. And so there was a lot of anger built up. There was uh, the need to want to just either tear, rip something, do something. We didn't know what to do with all this anger and all this energy. We just knew that we were being denied. Mm -hmm. What uh, drew people, you think, to Dr. King and his message? I think a lot of people were tired. We, we, uh, We, wherever we were at, we, we just didn't, we'd seen a lot of death, especially in the black communities over the years. And I think he brought to us the message of love. Uh, I wasn't ready to hear it, but the scriptures, he were living them out. And it says, love your enemy, love those that despitefully use you. And that's what he did. That's what he walked. Uh, we were looking at it from a different perspective I think if I can't have it, you can't have it, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we really wasn't in agreement with every, his philosophy and everything that he says. It wasn't until after he passed that for me that it got my attention and I started realizing, you know, everything else we've done been pretty fruitful. Maybe he is saying something here that we really need to listen mm-hmm. to. So it sunk in a little later. Yes. Is part of that just maturity, you think, or or... or... Why do you think it? Why did why did it sink in? I guess for you, the day he died, I cried, mm-hmm. and I mean, I cried hard and bitterly. I didn't even know why. I just knew here was a great man. He was killed, and uh, even though I didn't agree with him, it just seemed like it touched something in my heart that just we lost something very important. And as I said, I, the transition began to take place in how I thought after mm-hmm. that. Urban Williams is with us. Of course, does great work with Restoration Urban Ministries. And just want to get his perspective on the, the death of Martin Luther King from, from 50 years ago. Um, people have differing opinions since that time, 50 years ago. Have, have we made progress? Are we better? I mean, in some areas we obviously are, but there's still just a lot of yeah. strife, right? Yeah, you know? it is. It's so much simpler to make a friend 
to develop a relationship with someone that's genuine than it is to always be looking over your shoulder, always afraid. The scripture says fear has torment. And I decided I don't want to live like that anymore. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of other people out there that have said, you know, this is crazy. We need to figure out how we can work through mm-hmm. things. One of the famous speeches, of course, the uh, the I Have a Dream speech. Let's hear that right now here, Ed. And, uh, of course, everybody sort of knows this by heart, but this is just about a minute the portion of that speech. So, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. That was the uh, famous dream speech from a few years uh, earlier. Urban Williams is with us from Restoration Urban Ministries. What What do you think? What goes through your mind when you hear that? Oh, it's so easy to accept it and believe it today. Uh, I think what we do at Restoration is part of that, is that there is a dream that all men can come together, work together, cry together, build together. So it's something that's very important to us. Plus, it's a, it comes from our most important documents in the nation, you know, that says that all men are created equal, equal that they are endowed by their creator mm-hmm. with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, and I believe that today. For millions of Americans, uh, when Barack Obama was elected president, yes. what did that mean um, for the African-American community just at large? Yeah. What, from well, a, for people that are old enough the, to remember Martin Luther King and all of that. The possibility of it happening started growing stronger and stronger in many people's hearts. Because at first, it was just something that just couldn't happen. It was like trying to reach the stars. It just seemed like it would not happen. We would not see it. And then before we realized it, people were gathering together. And sort of like the same thing with Martin Luther, a handful of folks turned into a nation movement, national movement. And I think that's what we saw there. People began to grab a hold and say, it is possible. I'm sure like any politician, doesn't matter white or black. The people get yeah. disappointed, though, right? If they, yes. you know, you say, "Hey, I have this this um, list of things, well, I'd like to see done," and then there's ultimately because we're human beings, there's disappointment, right? Sometimes, yes. even with Barack Obama, I would say yes. too. That's life. Mm-hmm. All right, we have uh, Richard on the line. Uh, we have a question here. If you want to put the headphones on there, Irvin, so you can hear him. Hello, Richard. Go ahead. Morning, Brian. Yes, hi. I was 20 years of age serving in the armed forces when uh, Dr. King was shot, when he was murdered, and I remember hearing about it. Um, 
my first exposure to black people was in the military. I grew up out in Muhammad, and it was a white community. I'm a white male, currently 71 years of age. And at the time, I didn't, I saw it as a significant loss, but not nearly as um, expensive as it's been to the, the black movement. As I look at it in retrospect, this man spoke out of the Bible, as, a, as your guest did. Um, he had a message of love, and his message was not uh, as, a, as a victim, but a, one who wanted to be accepted as an equal, which we all are. But I think that the community, the black community, lost a very significant uh, motivator and a, an eloquent voice for a reason. I, I, I tell you, it, it's sad to see how many have used uh, this issue to their uh, personal advancement, and I'm not going to mention any names, but I appreciate the work that uh, your guest is doing in the community, and I, I'm just sorry in retrospect that Dr. King was lost so savagely mm -hmm. to a, a senseless uh, unfeeling and unknowing individual who did not know the message of Christ. All right. Hey, Richard, thank you. Appreciate that. Any thoughts on that? Or, Well, it's not that the black community lost something. The total nation lost something. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look closely at a lot of the old story, a, a lot of the old newscasts, you'll see not just black people, but you'll see whites, you'll see Jewish people, you've seen Native Americans, you've seen uh, uh, other races that had come together and that marched with Martin Luther King. Uh, the poor people's gathering in D.C. was black and white and red and yellow and brown, rich and poor, all kinds of denominations, including atheists were there because they believed in what he was standing for. Hmm. So how are we 50 years out? I know that's kind of a cliche question, but yeah. uh, but your thoughts on it as you think about yeah. the last 50 years and where we are today, I guess. We've got issues. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's evident just watching television and the news, and you'll see we've got a lot of problems. It's not that they can't be worked out, but someone's got to be willing to sit down, talk, share, and try to really hear each other and listen and, uh, you know, you need to know why I'm hurting, but I also need to know why you're hurting, too, mm -hmm. and then see what can we do about all of that. And I think so many times we're kind of talking past each other. Is yeah. That, yeah. You know, yeah. good way to describe it. Well, I know you have to get back to work. Uh, yes. Real quick, for people that don't know, Restoration Urban Ministries, what you what you folks do over there. Well, we, we have the motel there. Generally, we'll run 110, 125 people that are living there for 11 months. They go to classes, uh, everything from cognitive to Bible study to uh, computer training. The idea is to prepare them so that when they leave, not only do they just get a bunch of classes, but they live in an environment where they can practice what they're learning so that it's easier for them to assimilate back into the community. Hey, Irvin, great to have you come by for a Thank few you. minutes. Thank you on this well, uh, historic day, and a sad but historic at yes. the same time. So yes. we appreciate it. Irvin uh, Williams with us here from Restoration Urban Ministries, 50th anniversary of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King. Michael Kaiser has news headlines next. Back with more, Julia Reitz at 10. We'll take your phone calls here for the next half hour on Penny. A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart continues on News Talk 1400 WDWS. You can reach out to us on the phone at 217 217- 
356-9397. Email talk at wdws.com or text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Back on Penny for your thoughts. Really appreciate Irvin Williams stopping by for a few minutes on the anniversary of the death of Martin Luther King, April 4th, 1968. Uh, a lot of talk about uh, the circumstances around his death, James Earl Ray, um, his pleading of guilty, and then there was uh, no public trial there. And then obviously they had the civil trial years ago uh, in the late 90s. So there's been a lot of uh, talk around, in and around all of that, if you read a lot of different articles today, which I have in regards to that. We can get into some of that. We can talk, if you want, about the 60s. In general, it's a little, um, you know, I was just a little uh, little kid <laughs> on the farm west of Tolono when all of this was swirling around in the late 60s. So if you have some perspective to offer me, but also our listeners, uh, that would be great. All right, Woods Basement System is the sponsor here. We've heard from them, of course, many times. 1986 is when they started. They've helped over 55,000 homeowners. And, of course, they specialize in foundation cracks, wall cracks, crawl space issues. If you have any issues there, water is a huge issue when it comes to your basement. We all know that. We've been dealing with flooding a lot in the recent weeks. Protect your home's investment. Get your free estimate from Woods and fix those basement and crawl space issues once and for all. And they're proud of many things, but they're most proud of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Awards. Uh, they've won that. They've acquired several awards like that for their basement finishing projects and so forth. Remember, Woods Estimates did not cost you anything. How much is it costing to not fix the problem? Call Woods Basement Systems for your free estimate today, 888-935-4333, or go to woodsbasementsystems.com. 3569397, about 30 degrees here at 940. Hey, the sun trying to come out. How about that? We'll take every bit of that we can get. 3569397. Castle Heating and Cooling text line 3515357. And you can email us talk at wdws.com. Good morning to Carl on the line with us. Hi, Carl. Good morning. Good morning. I'm calling you your unpaid uh, public relations man. Yes. Um, <laughs> there's a real good video about you, a profile video, uh, put out by Liberty University. It's available. On YouTube, if people search for Brian Barnhart, you'll be able to find it. Or you can find it on my Twitter page, if I could uh, give that out. Oh, sure. Uh, Carl Wright, that's Carl with a K. Mm -hmm. uh, Carl Wright. So, um, people, uh, it's only a five-minute profile, which means it doesn't last very long, but it's very good. Well, thank you, Carl. Yeah, my uh, alma mater, Liberty University, did do a feature uh, they came to Ohio State when we played the Buckeyes in Columbus. They drove about six hours from uh, Lynchburg, Virginia, to come there, meet with me, and just kind of talk about my career. Uh, as is typical with you know a lot of those kind of productions, they we talked for that's thirty thirty five minutes, but they did a really good job with a five minute kind of summation of my career and the things I've done and where I've been and and uh, and so forth. So I, I thought it was a pretty, uh, it was very well done. I was very impressed with how they put it together and the research they did to get it all nailed down and tell a pretty complete story in about five minutes, which is not easy to do. So was I. I, I, just, I just thought everybody ought to know about it, and you've never, I've never heard you mention it. So. <laughs> 
Well, I, I, I'll All let right. people find it, but I appreciate you talking about it, Carl. Thank you. That's okay. Talk to you later. All right. There you go. That is uh, Carl with us this morning, 356-9397. On the phone lines, we have some available. Julia Reitz in hour number two here today on Penny for Your Thoughts. A uh, sad note I saw today. My uh, dad let me know about this. Uh, Carl Belaski passed away. And uh, any passing is sad, obviously, but I knew Carl for many, many years. He um, worked closely with my dad. They farmed my dad near Tolono. Uh, he and his wife, Mary, and, uh, of course, their sons. Uh, you got uh, Bill and Doug. you got Vince, Deb, uh, Diane, the uh, daughters, uh, their wives and husbands. Uh, their families uh, certainly going to miss Carl Belaski, farm down there near Pesodum. Um, really, I guess, in Tolono, technically, but in the, the Tolono-Pesodum area. So uh, wish them the best. Sorry to hear about uh, the passing of Carl Belaski. Good good friend and a great farmer for many years there in southern Champaign County. Let's go back to the phones, and Jerome jumps on the line. Hi, Jerome. How are you? Fine, Brian. How are you? Good. Well, I was listening, and I've been listening. I just waited uh, to, to get on the phone. We're talking about Martin Luther King. Uh, my in-law family um, was very good friends uh, with M.L. King. He was called M.L. growing up hmm. uh, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're talking about a young man at the age of 26 who took on an astronomical um, task. I am originally from St. Louis, and so uh, I know a lot about what went on in St. Louis. I am a product of those years, the struggle years. I was a part of the sit-ins that gave us William Bill Clay, who was a senator from Missouri, because that's where I'm from. Uh, Dr. King's dream is unrealized because of the politics of our day. You can't really just blame any one group. It takes all of us together. It's like the black and white keys on the piano. If you want a real good melody, you've got to use all of the keys. I just called to say that since I've been in this area, I have been a part of the local politics. I'm a former president of the NAACP and most of the movers and shakers around here, and a few other people know who I am. I'm actually a minister. So uh, I just decided I would give you a call. I want to make sure that the facts are correct. I was around during that time. Well, yeah, and, and, and you're the kind of caller I was looking for today, just to add some depth and perspective, and because we've all got our story and our lives and what we experienced, and... Um, I'm just, you know, as as someone, I mean, I read about Dr. King and I hear the speeches and I can see why people were drawn to him. He's, he was very charismatic, obviously. But what kind of drew you to him and his message at that time? Well, at that time, I was a product of segregation. I was, mm-hmm. um, I think, at the time that all of this happened, I was just about to go into high school. And so I knew what it was like to live a segregated life uh, in St. In St. Louis, Missouri. You know, Missouri is one of those swing states. Mm-hmm. So we got all of it. 
uh, busing began there. And um, um, all of the things that you could do, the things that you couldn't do. I know what it's like uh, to go to a different drinking fountain. I know what it was like not to go to the same movie houses and all of that. Mm. I grew up in a time that I was educated by the older people of what you could or could not do. But I learned how to work both sides of the aisle. Now, I say that because I was in Republican politics uh, because of Nelson Rockefeller back in 1978. He told me, he said, you can do this, but you have to have everybody with you. So I ran for the state Senate, the senatorial district number 13 uh, in Missouri. And uh, while I was told, you won't win, but you can look my name up. You can look me up. I'm in the books. <laughs> well, let me and ask. So uh, when I came here, yes, please. No, go ahead. I I'm, didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, when I moved to this area, I moved to this area with my wife, who's a who. Uh, as a part of administration at the U of I. We came here to get involved. We rolled up our sleeves. We started wherever we could. And as I said, I am a former president of the NAACP. Hmm. Most people know who I am, uh, the city councilman, the former mayors, and the present mayor, who is a personal friend of mine. I came to see what could I do to help everyone, not just the African-Americans, mm -hmm. but to everyone uh, to make this world a better place, the world in which we live. Champaign-Urbana is where I live, been here since 2000. I'm still doing all that I can to uh, add a plus to life here. What's your sense, uh, Jerome, of, of young people, young African-Americans, uh, their sense of Dr. King? I mean, they know about him, but can I mean, it's 50 years. Can they, can they fully appreciate what he meant? No, they cannot because their parents have not appreciated what he has meant. I was a part of Unit 4 school district. I was a substitute teacher. I worked from early childhood through both of the high schools, Central and Centennial. They know who I am. I had thought to get young people to understand. You get the future you prepare for. I spoke not only to African Americans, but to every ethnicity that was a part of the school district and tried to be an example to them, for them. I'm still uh, trying to do my very best. Young people today, they mimic what they see. Their education doesn't come out of the books that are in the school. Their education has to come through their seniors. I am a senior person. I have had young men that have come through the school system that was a part of the church that I was the pastor of. And they're all doing very well. Some have graduated from um, the best universities in the Midwest. Some are pulling themselves up by their own bootstraps. And so um, 
everybody knows, those who listen to DWF and those who are part of uh, the, the problems that we had a few years ago uh, when Kiwan uh, Carrington uh, was killed, and I was at the forefront of that. And uh, if you need to know more, just have me on your show. Yeah. Glad. Well, I'll have to do uh, that. I um, Well, yeah. you asked Julie Reitz. Uh, we worked together during that tumultuous time. And uh, uh, I'm available. I'm no longer in a pulpit as a pastor, <laughs> but I've been a minister since 1959. That ought to date me. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, Jerome, if you can, uh, you know, call the main number, three five one fifty three hundred, and just leave your name, and we'll have we'll have you on again at some point. Well, that would that work? I will do that. Yeah, they know me. <laughs> they know me at the Gazette. I've done uh, articles for the News Gazette. Mm-hmm. Uh, they know me because I I have uh, jumped in with both feet since I have been in this community. I want to bring up something when you do have me, because had I been, um, had I received uh, the nomination back during the time that I was really in politics, Ferguson would not have happened. Hmm. That is an overblown situation. I could tell you all about it yeah. when I meet you face to face. Oh, sure, absolutely. Well, just call the main number and three five one fifty three hundred, and Karen will answer, and just leave your number, and we'll uh, we'll be in touch. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Jerome. All right, bye. Bye, bye. Great to hear from Jerome. Let's take a quick break. Got another call waiting. We'll get to you next after this quick timeout. Back on Penny for your thoughts, News Talk 1400 DWS, and let's go to the phones. Anna Wall is with us. Hi, Anna Wall. Good morning, and I want uh, to acknowledge at the beginning, for those who have not heard me, that I am an African-American born and raised in the South under Plessy versus Ferguson, but at that time was taught that it ain't your color, it's your kind. I hope the listening audience, particularly the young Afro-Americans, are aware of the fact that we have a wonderful station such as yours, which is willing to go and recapitulate the history of Dr. Martin Luther King. I also want to call attention to the fact that the Unitarian Church in Champaign that I used to attend occasionally when Dr. Cole was the minister, is also celebrating this this occasion. So it ain't your color, it's your kind. And I want to thank the News Gazette and all the people who are acknowledging the struggle that we have had. But I want you to know, had it not been for white, caring people such as you all, we would not have accomplished what we have accomplished. Thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Anna Wall. Good to hear from you. Next up at 9.57 is Bob. Hey, Bob, good morning. Good morning. Okay, I want somebody to trace back the history when the school, Urbana School, became Dr. Uh, Martin Luther King, came school. I'd like for somebody to call in and tell me what was the name of that school before it was changed and what the date it was changed, and whose idea it was. 
thought I passed off because I can't remember whose idea it was to hmm. brought it up to the board of how how the school became King School. Hmm. Okay. Well, maybe I, I work I worked in the district, but I can't remember all of this uh, what the facts are. So I thought I would put that out there. Maybe somebody could call in and give some facts, the history on that. Well, very good. We'll see if anybody knows. Thank okay. you, Bob. All right. All right, that's uh, Bob on the line with us this morning. Busey Bank, uh, a lot of things to remember. One of the easiest ways to save for Financial Literacy Month. You can brush up on the fundamentals behind sound financial planning. Busey Wealth Management encourages you to begin your path to savings today. Automate your savings. Starting small is fine. And I, I wish I've told my daughters this. I, you know... I've told other people this. Man, if I wished when I was in my uh, 20s, if I just put a little bit away, just start something, save something. Experts suggest saving 15% of your income for retirement. Make the most of 401K contribution matching at your workplace. Gradually increase your contribution each year, growing your savings along with your career. Traditional IRAs, Roth IRAs, employer-sponsored plans, if you can get into those, get into those, they say. Busey says the sooner you begin saving, the better. Even modest savings can add up over time. And Busey Wealth Management has a team of professionals who can help you achieve your dreams for retirement. To get started, visit Busey.com or stop by one of our many convenient locations today. Well, boy, that was a fast first hour. I really do appreciate Irvin Williams uh, coming by. We had talked maybe about having him on the phone, and he was like, hey, I can come down, and I can be there in 10 minutes. So, there he was. Great to have him with us uh, this morning in studio talking about uh, the assassination anniversary of Dr. Martin Luther King 50 years ago today. There are uh, church services around the country, uh, bell ringing in various parts of the country. Uh, the News Gazette has uh, an article on that in the uh, paper today. 601, they'll, um, 120-year-old church there just sits outside the former balcony of that hotel, will be rung 39 times, once for each year of Dr. King's life universities and churches and their ceremonies in town as well all right julia reach joins us in hour number two that's up next on wdws champagne urbano on penny for your thoughts welcome back hour number two penny for your thoughts news talk 1400 dws we are at ten thirteen, and we appreciate urban williams being with us we had several great calls in that first hour in regards to the anniversary 50th anniversary of martin luther king jr uh, we have a uh, announcement about the best of East Central Illinois. Voting's begun for the News Talk 1400 DWS News Gazette Media's The People's Choice. Sounds kind of Hollywoodish, doesn't it? The best of East Central Illinois. Go to WDWS.com and cast your vote. The People's Choice, brought to you by Max Painter, Nikita, and the team at MX Electric. Brian Barnhart with you this morning, and we found someone that I think is familiar to most of us here that's been on the radio before. She's a pro at this. Julia Reitz. Good morning. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Can't be warm enough. I know it's a little chilly. No, I'm not. I'm really <laughs> tired of this weather. If you're uh, like the rest of us, if your teeth start chattering, we'll know uh, why. Because it's yeah. uh, a little cold in this studio too. But uh, good to have you That's here. That's all right. The conversation will warm it up. I'm <laughs> That's sure. right. So how are you? How have you been doing? Oh, good. Yeah. Um, and I know that you've taken the, the reins in this uh, show, and I've been listening. And uh, this morning was great. The conversations you were having with people who have been so involved in so many different aspects of local and history um just really good conversations so i'm excited to be back and mm -hmm. looking forward to the conversation this morning well good to have you on with us once again uh, you're kind of like me uh, 50 years ago is 
either we weren't around or we're very young. Yes, but, uh, I but, was uh, not t- around. Yeah. So what? Uh, <laughs> uh, just your thoughts but on all of that in relation to Dr. King and. Well, I think it's so important that we continue to um, to recognize the historical significance um, and to put it in context to what's going on in the world today. Um, there's so much that we can learn from Dr. King's teachings and uh, from the progress that he made um, and that has come since, but also to recognize that there's still progress to be made and to work together on those issues. So um, today is an important day to remember. Um, I always attend and am involved in the January events around Martin Luther King Jr.'s um, the holiday and the local celebrations, which have always been so significant, particularly the recognition of uh, community members and groups who work so hard, uh, the boots on the ground, people that we talked about before we started um, who are actually doing the work out there um, that are help- helping and hoping to mm-hmm. to make improvements in the lives of uh, those in our community. I mm-hmm. think it's it's very important. All right. Well, Julia Reitz is with us. If you have questions for Julia, and uh, we'll open up the lines, 356-9397. You can email us, talk at wdws.com. You can text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 351-5357. All right. Uh, we have our first caller of the day, and it is Ray. Ray, how are you? Good. Very good. Good morning. I, uh, my name's Ray Milligan, and uh, my brother was run over and killed <clears throat> October 3rd of last year uh, on Bradley Street. His name is uh, Robert Milligan. And uh, I'm trying to get some justice through your uh, office because this has been six months now. Uh, We found out she was uninsured. I used uh, Shapiro Law Office, and we found this out. Uh, Last week I had uh, uh, Chief Cobb call me up yelling and screaming because well, basically, I didn't go away. And what I want her, her to be arrested for is vehicular manslaughter. Uh, uh, as of right now, I just I looked. Uh, she she has a ticket. You know, they issued a week ago for no insurance. But at this point, I mean, if you look at this lady's driver's uh, record, your your office has let her off continuously over and over again by not prosecutor prosecuting her shouldn't really have a driver's license really but she ended up running over my brother over on bradley street and killing him and ray so i'm going to jump in um i don't know as i'm sitting here in the radio station the facts of the case or the um the driver, the suspect's background um, off the top of my head, and I do want to follow up with you about it um, and with the Champaign Police Department. Um, I absolutely appreciate your um, concern, and so what I'm going to ask you to do um, is if you could call my office and call, call and ask for my secretary. Her name is Julie, and she's always listening. Do Penny, and um, Give her your name and number so that I can look into it myself, and then we can I'm, we can let you know where we're at. Um, you okay. know, a lot of the things. If if the woman brother had a prior traffic history, we are limited by the law as to what we can do about those situations. And so, 
Um, you know, so if you can call my office and give them your name and number, and then okay. I can follow up with you in a much better way than I can do just sitting here at the radio uh, station. I, I talked to a girl by the name of Lisa a week ago, and Lisa. she hasn't got back with me. I, I, I'm sure you know who Lisa is there. Maybe my, I don't have... I, I'm not sure because, to be honest, I don't have a Lisa in my office. So if you can call, again, and the number there is 384-3733. And yeah, I've actually got it written down here, I okay, think. Great. But, uh, and okay. just ask for Julie, who's my secretary, at uh, Julie, Julie Ogle, yeah. and she will um, take your name and we'll get right back to you. All right. Hey, Ray, thank you, okay. sir. And I'm thank very you. sorry for your loss. Yep. Very thank good. Thank you. Thank you. Three five six nine three nine seven is the number to call. You can text us Castle Heating and Cooling text line three five one five three five seven and email us talk at wdws dot com. I'm guessing in your role now, what, as I do the Illini games, I get asked on the street, restaurants, everywhere about the Illini, which is, I mean, that's great because that's mm-hmm. part of my job. Do you get asked questions all the time? Yes, <laughs> um, and, and that's part of my job. Um, I, you know, I am a public official, and I fully embrace that. You know, people are going to come up to me in restaurants, in stores, at social events. Um, that's why I do this show, mm-hmm. because it gives uh, people like Ray the opportunity to call in. Um, but it is very hard for me. You know, I try to know about everything that's going on, but we are a large office. And, you know, traffic deaths, traffic fatalities are probably one of the hardest situations to deal with from a criminal justice perspective. Um, because sometimes the law does not give us the tools that a family member might want us to have um, to address their their incredible loss. I mean, when mm-hmm. you're talking about the collision between a vehicle and a human being, you know, the law does not necessarily ever mm-hmm. give anyone what they might think is justice. Mm-hmm. There's not a one-size-fits-all tool. No, and, I mean, you know, the the... Illinois law does not include a negligent vehicular homicide law, which some other states do. Um, So when you're talking about a fatality in the case of a traffic accident, um, oftentimes it is, unfortunately, just a ticket, which Mm. is really difficult for someone who's lost a family member. Absolutely. All right, back to the phones here. And Carol is with us this morning at 1021. Hi, Carol. Hi there. Good morning. Um, my comment is that you don't return phone calls. We had a very tragic thing that did not go right, just like the previous gentleman that called in, and you told us to call your office and ask for you, and you never returned the call, ever. Well, again, it's hard. I, I'm not sure when or when that happened, but if you, you're welcome to try again if you want to be more specific about the situation or the time well, it's frame. All, I, it's all said and done now, and it's all addressed and taken care of, not to our, not to the way it should have been in our minds. Mm-hmm. Um, justice was not served, but we were told to call your office. You would get right back to us. You would talk with us. You you never returned our call. We we called numerous times. You never returned the call. Well, and I'm, we've heard I'm sorry. this from other people. We've heard this from other people. So don't give this previous gentleman false hope. Okay. Well, I, I'm mm-hmm. sorry you feel that. Hope. Ma'am, okay. I'm sorry you Thank feel you, that way. I think. You're welcome. Bye bye. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry she feels that way. And I think, you know, there are a number of situations where we're just not, again, going to be able to 
do what somebody wants us to do in the face of some tragic loss that they've experienced. Mm. And, you know, sometimes people, frankly, just don't want to hear that. And mm. Okay. I, Let's see here how we get to move along here. Let's go to uh, Chuck. Hey, Chuck, you're on with Julie Reitz. Go ahead. Yes, I want to I want to pursue the same thing that's been uh, discussed here. I five to ten years ago, I was in an accident, and the and the driver that was at fault uh, was discovered to not have insurance. Uh, the vehicle was not uh, uh, plated. And she didn't have a have a valid driver's license. So besides she being at fault, you know, she had a total of four tickets that were issued, and I, I had to pay for the repair, you know, on my vehicle because she wasn't insured, and I didn't have uninsured uh, 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 policy on my. Mm-hmm on my vehicle so i ended up having to pay all but uh anything everything that was over a thousand dollars but i I researched on the on the website that you had that uh you're able to to to, uh, uh look at other other people's um, okay. violations and off traffic violations mm-hmm. and uh this person that had had the same issue prior to when she hit me and she continued to have uh have violations like this after she hit me mm-hmm. so she was an uninsured driver without insurance and she was not taken off the road well she actually had, had she probably was four. by the if you can let me well, answer yeah, she probably ahead, was okay. by the secretary of state's office the secretary of state's office is uh, responsible for driver's licenses and if somebody is driving well insured and causes an accident well uninsured um, that is a basis for suspending that person's driver's license but that is entirely in the purview of the secretary of state's office i absolutely understand the frustration but there is really nothing that i can do to stop someone from getting in a vehicle and driving off um, and all I can okay, do a, is respond well, afterwards uh, within the limits of the law. And I understand your frustration. Actually, relatively recently, the legislature increased the penalties for someone who's uninsured and causes somebody else physical injury in the course of a traffic crash. But that has not always been the law. It's generally a traffic ticket that's a fine-only offense. And so limited as to what we can do just a misdemeanor just a misdemeanor then it's not a criminal if it's not a criminal situation it's a misdemeanor now if someone is uninsured and causes bodily injury to another person but it that has not always been the case that's a relatively new change in the law okay hey chuck i gotta move but thank you sir appreciate it all right well, you never know which way we're going, right? On that's uh, right, but that's they, fine. I yeah, again, I understand people's frustration, especially in these cases involving traffic yeah. crashes. All right, uh, let's see here. Ed, let me take a quick break. I'll get another call, and then we'll get to the news. We'll do all that. Frank, hang on. You're up next after this on Penny. Sing for the health of it. Back on Penny for your thoughts. Swanson Roofing, Roofing Dog, is a hands-on owner. Corey Swanson is. He's truly a family-owned business, 100% owned and operated by Corey Swanson. And his wife, Melissa, is a graduate from Rantoul High School in the University of Illinois. 
been with the company his crew has for many years they have all the full benefits and 401ks and most importantly they guarantee their workmanship swanson does for the lifetime of your roof and the materials they use are guaranteed for 50 years swanson roofing they'll help you with small repairs and help you save your roof even if they did not do your roof and that is a great thing so swanson roofing the roofing dog providing services in champaign vermilion ford and mclean counties back to the phones here before the news just before 10 30 hi frank good morning Good morning. Um, I wanted to ask about the uh, person videotaping at the Assembly Hall restroom. And I, I had two questions concerning that. Number sure. one, um, how you will be able to justify uh, prosecuting a similar instance when you, when you uh, uh, didn't, didn't prosecute on this one. And secondly, uh, really, did you have a, an acquaintance or uh, personal or professional relationship with this person is that why it no i did not I, I did not make my decision to not file charges based on a personal relationship or knowledge of mr rosenstein i'm just going to say that absolutely right now um, well, was, was that, that present though it, was that present I, I do i know him yes that. i know him i know a lot of people in this community but did i make my decision based on that absolutely not I'm happy to answer the question and discuss the issue, mm -hmm. but I'm just going to jump in and put that to rest. This, mm -hmm. The decision to not file charges in that case had absolutely nothing to do with any relationship or knowledge of that person that I may or may not have. Mm -hmm. I've seen that suggested. I've seen it suggested that because we're the same religion or that because I'm an adjunct professor at the university where I teach a class at the law school and he's a journalism professor that somehow that had something to do with it. No, none of mm -hmm. that had anything to do with yeah. it. So let's talk about the situation. Mm -hmm. um, Tell you what we can we do. We were talking about it a little bit before. Hey, Frank, why don't, if you want to listen, uh, you can either hang on or listen, and I'll have her address that right after the news because I need to get that in, and she can okay. talk about that whole yeah, case, okay? We can do that. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Frank. We'll do that right after the news with Michael Kaiser on DWS. Back on Penny for Your Thoughts. Pleased to have Julia Reitz with us, Champaign County State's attorney on Penny for Your Thoughts. We had a lot about the Martin Luther King 50 anniversary. Uh, tragic of his uh, death 50 years ago today in memphis all right uh, frank was asking about the uh, rosenstein this is right. from a couple of months ago so uh, why prosecute why not prosecute all of that i guess so one of the greatest things about being the state's attorney is that i have this thing called prosecutorial discretion so i'm the one who uh, makes the decision it's not for the victim or for the community um, to make the decision or for law enforcement, ultimately it's the prosecutor. And we do that based on the law and the evidence we have in front of us. And in this situation, there is a law on the books that addresses the question of recording in various places, including bathrooms, changing rooms, locker rooms, tanning beds, that sort of thing. And we have charged that in the past. That law was written at a time when, before these cell phones mm -hmm. existed, before you had a recording device in your hand, you would have had to go into that space and surreptitiously hide a camera somewhere um, in order to record somebody while they were in a state of undress. And we have charged that before. Um, in the locker room at the U of I at one point, there was a situation where someone had hidden a camera in a locker in order to record men's gymnasts. In, as they mm -hmm. were changing in tanning beds, that sort of thing. Um, that was what that law was created to address. 
That's not what happened in this situation. That's not really what that law was intended to address. Um, and frankly, the issue of how to deal with the chief and how to deal with chief protesters, that is, in my opinion, a university issue. And I think the universities at this point, there's a number of forums coming up. Uh, the chancellor is trying to have conversation. And I applaud him for that. That is their issue. Um, and so I do not, did not believe that it was appropriate to have the criminal justice system be the place to argue those issues and that that law was not intended to address this situation. All right. There's the answer on that. Uh, several texts, Castle Heating and Cooling text line. Um, let's see here. There is a, It says there is no reasonable explanation not to prosecute the restroom videographer, and Miss Reitz knows it. Okay, we just got that one in. Uh, Bill says, had Rosenstein filmed in the women's restroom, I suspect he would have been charged. Maybe not, but sex shouldn't matter. That's from Bill. Um, and it didn't have anything to do with the decision. Again, it okay. all comes down to what the intent was and what the underlying intent of the law is. Mm -hmm. um, and frankly, there's a lot of laws on the books that were written at times before um, other issues came about. There's a law in the books that we've had to deal with here locally in the past um, that seems to suggest that flag burning is illegal, but yet there's a U.S. Supreme Court opinion to the contrary, uh, that mm -hmm. flag burning is free speech. And so that was an issue that we addressed here and I declined to file charges and people said but the law says um, you know and so it's it's much more complex and depending on which side you're on you have a strong opinion about it but like I said the final decision is mine and I'm absolutely happy to sit here and stand up um, for that decision that I've made all right a question for Julia Reitz says can you explain why no charges were ever filed in regard to the disruption caused by the protesters during the homecoming parade? Uh, this Again, Go that's ahead. a situation. Um, I work very closely with the U of I Police Department. Uh, they are a professional police department, and they um, take very seriously their responsibility to deal with issues on their campus. And it was decided that the way to deal with that situation was to diffuse it and to keep things moving forward, and I respect that decision. Um, and so, you know, there are, again, these are very complex issues, and depending on which side you're on of an issue, you might have a strong opinion. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to look at the entirety of the situation, and in that case, the, the goal was to move things forward. Mm -hmm. Do you ever, I'm, you're a human being, do you ever, um, over the years, had a case where you, you thought at the time this was the way I need to go, and then you think about it later, and you go, of you know, and think, well, maybe I should have thought. I mean, does that happen? There's yeah. no computer or machine that we, you know, shove things into, and mm -hmm. they spit out. It spits out the answer. I mean, that's again one of the wonderful things about this job, and the hardest thing is that um, discretion is is so important. When I'm interviewing young assistant states attorneys, I want to know about their judgment, about their decision-making, um, because we have to make decisions and then we have to stand by them. Are we always right? Is anyone always right? Well, <laughs> you know, the answer to that is no. <laughs> um, you know, but we absolutely put our hearts and souls into it and stand by, you know, the decisions we make. And if we're wrong, then we'll say we're wrong. All right, back to the phones here for Julia Reitz. Thomas, good morning. Hey, how you doing, Brian and Julia? Good, good. morning, Thomas. 
Hey, I had a question um, uh, about prosecutor, uh, prosecutorial uh, discretion. Yes. Does that basically mean that you don't have a superior? I mean, it's just pretty much well, what you decide or... My superior, my, my boss, my boss are the voters mm-hmm. of Champaign County. You know, okay. I, my boss is, is you. <laughs> my boss is everyone okay. listening um, who's a Champaign County voter. And I've been, you know, up for election. I'm on my fourth term now. And my boss is the voters. And, you know, I, I know that there is no way that I'm ever going to please everyone and never going to have everyone agree because these issues are so complex and so significant. And I mean, even what might appear to be a simple traffic ticket, as we've heard today, can be absolutely life-changing for the people involved in the situation. And so we're never going to make everyone happy. But what I have to do is look at the facts and the law and make my decision and then come before you as the voters and try to explain those things as best I can. All right. Okay, I had one more. Okay. If you make it quick. I Go ahead, Thomas. To, sure. One more about reporting local corruption on a municipal level. About well, say, say it again, how Thomas. Would one, how would one go about reporting local corruption on a municipal level? What would be the well, you could, to do so. you could contact a local law enforcement agency, but if you were not comfortable with doing that, you could contact the attorney general's office um, because they, that office would be responsible for, um, you know, for those types of investigations as well, um, or the uh, federal authorities possibly. Okay. Thank okay. you, Thomas. All right, we've got Keith and Danny waiting. We'll get to you right after this timeout on Penny for Your Thoughts. A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart continues on News Talk 1400 WDWS. All right, let's get to as many calls as we can here. 1049 and 29 degrees with uh, Champaign County State's Attorney Julia Reeds. And Keith is up next. Hi, Keith. Hi guys, how you doing? Good, Good. morning. I, you know, I would just make a couple observations, and and maybe I'm not asking for an answer to anything, but my family's been in law enforcement for 30 years now. Uh, my father, my mother, uh, two brothers, and I've always been taught justice is blind. And I, I and it was reported that you are making a a, a side call on that whole Rosenstein issue. But I would just point out that Mr. Rosenstein continuously harasses uh, the guy that was in question. He did have a recording device. Whether that law was written 20 years ago, 50 years ago, whenever it was written, the cell phone was a recording device. And I would say you took sides. Um... People really get exasperated by this kind of stuff, and they end up taking judgments into their own hands because they don't have confidence that when they do it the right way, it just gets laughed at. This guy... So I'm going to jump in here for a second, Okay, hold on. I'm going to jump in. No, you know what? I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in because when you start talking about people taking justice into their own hands and you represent yourself as a law enforcement 
officer or family or something like that, then I'm going to jump in. Mm -hmm. um, I really don't think that anyone's going to take enforcement into their own hands. This the situation happened months ago, and you know people say, well, what about when somebody else does this? That has not been an issue. This was a very specific situation. And frankly, I have limited resources in my office. The criminal justice system has limited resources. And this is a situation that is properly addressed by the University of Illinois. And they have been addressing it. And I would strongly encourage people who have strong opinions about this issue, about the chief, to get themselves involved in the discussions that the chancellor is putting on at the university to be a part of the conversation. That would be productive. Mm -hmm. But what, what your strong opinion is about Jay Rosenstein or about Ivan Dozier or, in my opinion, the criminal justice system, we have, we have shootings, we have sexual assaults, we have drug issues to address in this community. And I do not have the resources to spend addressing the chief issue. All right, back to the phones. Thank you, Keith, for the call. Uh, Danny, good morning. Yeah, good morning. How are you doing? Good. Just fine. Good. Uh, you're probably tired of questions about specific cases, but I was no. curious about the decision with respect to a fellow by the name of Tariq Khan on campus. Uh, he was leading an anti-Trump protest on campus, and there were anti-protest protesters, and uh, he got fired up by something one of them said, and there's a video online, he's very aggressive, he's making physical contact with people, threatening to, I won't say right. how he said it, but threatening mm -hmm. violence toward them, took a swing at one fellow, uh, and then actually physically ripped a guy's phone out of his hand. Yes, and he was charged for that. Well, he was, well I, the only thing I saw, he was charged just with damaging the phone. Right. He was charged with criminal damage to property because he took the person's phone away and then threw it down on the ground and broke the phone. And so he was charged hmm. with that offense. I was going to say, but the other part seemed more serious to me, taking a swing at people, making physical contact. Actually, it's actually the opposite because assault um, is actually a Class C misdemeanor with a maximum penalty of 30 days, whereas criminal damage to property is a Class A misdemeanor with a maximum penalty of up to a year in jail. So, yeah, I agree with you. The law seems inconsistent there. Um, but the more strong, the, the higher offense, actually, in that situation was the criminal damage to property. So that's what we charged him with. Okay. okay. Hey, th thank you, Danny. Back with more with Julia Reitz after this. Time out on Penny. Time for All right, Woods Basement Systems, make sure you check them out for all your uh, free estimates when it comes to your basement and crawl space issues. Uh, two things happen with uh, cracks in your foundation or basement. They get worse if you ignore them, and they keep stealing value from your home until the cause is fixed. Give them a call, 888-935-4333, or go to woodsbasementsystems.com, one of our proud sponsors here on Penny for Your Thoughts. All right, just a quick text. You don't have to respond to any of these, just uh, back and forth. Uh, from Elizabeth, it's laughable for the state's attorney to tell people she can be voted out. She's a liberal Democrat, has zero worries from this liberal Democrat county of being replaced. Uh, Julia says, prosecutorial discretion is one of the best things about my job. It's one of the worst things for the rest of us who try to be law-abiding citizens. 
Bill says, if someone blocked the entrance to Planned Parenthood, arrests would be made all politics. And finally, Mike says, just wanted to thank Julia for doing a fantastic job in an extremely challenging role. It's sad to hear many callers do not understand the complexity of the law and the difficulty of her position. So there you go. Yeah, you get, you get lots of fan mail here. Uh, uh, let's go to the... People have very strong <laughs> opinions about All right, these issues. See if we can get in here with Eric at 1058. Hi, Eric. We've got about a minute or so. Go ahead. Yes, sir. I uh, am accusing Ameren Electric of engaging in white-collar crime because seven months ago they switched my electric company to another company and didn't tell me about it. I found out on it. So uh, through other methods. I think okay. that you Thanks, should con- contact the Attorney General's office about that. Okay. They do consumer fraud there. All right. And, Steve, you have about 30 seconds or so. Hey, go ahead if you got a quick question. Uh, well, <laughs> comment on marijuana. Uh, use of medical marijuana in Champaign County is fine, I, you know, with the use rather than opioids. But my question is, does a person who takes medical marijuana, are they required by the state to surrender their driver's license. They're not okay. required to surrender their driver's license, but they cannot drive under the influence of the cannabis. And that is a huge issue as we move forward on what seems to be a path towards legalization. Um, and one that I am very concerned about, both with regards to driving and with regards to cannabis use by juveniles. Those are very important issues that we need to be addressing as we move forward on that path. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Well, Julie, I don't know if this happened when you did all those shows with Jim. He, he had like, I have five or six other things I was going to talk about, and <laughs> I never got happen. to them. So. And I, we'll, I we'll absolutely respect people's very strong opinions about these things. Um, and I'm happy to answer these questions. I appreciate you giving me this opportunity, Brian. Thank you, Julia. That's Julia Reitz, Champaign County State's Attorney. We'll do it again sometime here down the road. And this is WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Have a great day, everybody, 11 o'clock.